Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Hope you're bopping away to that uh, track. Yeah, I hope you are because we're going to speak to him later, aren't we? The producer. Oh, yeah, the great and the man. musical talent yeah, that the, is. The great man's joining us uh, to discuss this. Um, uh, Matt Farley is his name. Matt Farley's going to join us. At 11.48. Oh, look, look, looking forward schedule. to catching up with him. Matt Farley, um, our wonderful songwriter who, who wrote our theme song. He just didn't know he wrote the theme song for us. And we, we've, we've just hijacked it. We have been getting a lot of requests from our listeners yeah. as well. They love Matt Foley. They love what he does for the show. And <laughs> we want to hear, I don't know, the knowledge behind the lyrics that bring this show to life. Not sure how long the interview will go for. No. I, you, you just take a name and you turn it into a song, don't you? We do have to find out if he's a Celtics fan or um, a Warriors fan. Yes. Because that is happening today, obviously, the final. Game number four with, uh, of course, the Celtics up two games to one, bit of an injury cloud around Steph Curry. Yeah. Who, uh, after having someone roll on his ankle, uh, said he went home and slept for ten and a half hours. And that's all he could do. I'd say that yeah. if you're a basketball player, you're sleeping for ten and a half hours every night. Ten and a half hours sleep. Remember those days? Oh, I remember those <laughs> days as a professional cricketer. <laughs> oh, wake up. Bit of brunch in the morning. <laughs> Go have a nap. Oh, yeah. Don't let these athletes tell you it was, oh, it's really difficult. It's a really tough job, day in, day out. Flat out, mate. Flat out. <laughs> Flat out. Oh, I'm yeah. really, really busy. Welcome into the show. This is the Saturday session. He's Grant Elliott. I'm Daniel McCarty. If you're just tuning in for the first time today, where the hell have you been? You've missed the Re Super Rugby Fan Show. Check out our social media platforms. Justin Marshall is always excellent. Uh, got lots of great insights. Uh, uh, into not only the semi-final victory for the Crusaders last night, but to also the second semi-final coming later tonight. As far as what's coming up on the show, well, plenty. Um, we always speak to our friends, acquaintances, and the occasional expert. Uh, one of those ticks all those boxes. Uh, Craig Cummings is going to join us in about uh, 18 minutes' time. we have a look um, at this test series between New Zealand and England. We will reflect on what happened on test number one and look what's happened on day number one of the second test. So far, so good on day number two. I'll get Grant's thoughts on that just a little bit in a moment or two. Uh, as far as other features, all our regulars along the way, including our Saturday session Legends segment. Uh, this week, Grant, come uh, middle of next week, the All Whites are playing Costa Rica. 
with a berth in the FIFA World Cup available to those two sides. SENZ has full coverage of that from 6am on Wednesday. Can't wait to bring you that one. And we are going to uh, welcome in a man whose fingerprints are all over the history of New Zealand football uh, and a very rare select group um, is our special guest of having played and also coached a team at a FIFA Men's World Cup. It can only be uh, the one, the only Mr. Ricky Herbert's going to join the show. I think live from some football. He'll be out watching some football. So can't wait uh, to catch up with Ricky. Costa Rica. I'm just having a look at the uh, world rankings. Don't look at the world rankings. They'll Costa Rica. Don't make you sad. 31st in the world. Where does New Zealand sit? Um, slightly below. I'm going to have to go through a couple of pages yeah, here, I, aren't I? Yeah, I? I think you're going to have to scroll down quite some way. So the likelihood of us beating Costa Rica? I know that you're positive that you... Well, no, football lends itself to upsets more than most mm. sports, sure. doesn't it? If you dominate, and we're just it's, it's front of mind because we were talking about it last hour, if you dominate a rugby game, you tend to get penalties, you kick goals, you tend to win. You can dominate a football game and lose. A breakaway sort of goal. Yeah. Do the Everton, just kick it up yeah, exactly, all the yeah. time. That's how you guys got out of relegation. Complete <laughs> luck. But what about the cricket last night? Well, you tell me. I will tell you. Can we? Should uh, we start with the positive or go with the negative? Well. Like, like our, our dear texter here. <laughs> um, it's uh, Brendan from Masterton. I do like this. Good morning, gentlemen. Great start by the Black Caps And a good start night. to your message yeah, as well. Great, positive. It's a positive start to your message. Great start by the Black Caps last night. So hopefully we won't stuff it up tonight like we did with the last guest. <laughs> and I know you think that's a little bit sort of half glass empty. I, I understand where Brendan is coming from and how quickly New Zealand handed the momentum away on Sunday morning or Saturday night, Sunday morning our time. I was asking you and our, our listeners last week, what number are you comfortable with setting England? Everyone was blasé. Like, I've oh, probably got enough already. What? We need at least another 115. I could not believe how quickly they handed the momentum back to England. I think, I think we Or, needed... yes, England did take some momentum themselves. But... I think we only needed another 50 or 70 because that would have brought the new ball into play. We didn't actually get to the second new ball, which would have made a huge difference. But with England, if Root scores runs... England have a chance. If Root doesn't score runs, they don't have a chance. And that's the, the trend. But, I mean, there was a passage of play in the first test that just took the momentum away from New Zealand. And that was at that moment where we were talking about what should we set them. The next day, England came back and Stuart Broad, he went, Mitchell nicked off, Jameson came in, got bowled, and then um, he got three in a row. So, Team hat trick. Yeah. Yay. So it was... It was three wickets in a space of no time. And that's the beauty of Test Match Cricket is it ebbs and flows. But there's a passage of play that you look at and you go, wow, we lost it there, lost our focus, or someone had a great day. And unfortunately, it was Stuart Broad. Because if I'm honest, I'm quite surprised that Broad and Anderson are in this team. I think it probably shows a lack of stock for England. When you've got a 39-year-old and someone who's in their mid-30s leading the attack. And they're going to have some really tired legs today. Because at 318 for four, New Zealand, and if I look at how many overs they've, they've bowled in this, this first innings, New Zealand are looking very pretty. James Anderson's only bowled 18, so is Stuart Broad. And that's because they've got a spinner in the team, Leach, who's bowled 18 overs. So it actually takes a bit of pressure off them. Um, Potts, so they spread it, spread it out between their seamers. They all bowled sort of 18 overs. And that was my point on your show. Get Wagner in. Let's be positive. Let's put another bowler in. Have four frontline quick bowlers um, and the spinner, Ajaz Patel. Anyone that can get 10 wickets in an innings for India 
should be in our team. And we know that Trent Bridge is a flat wicket, so let's back our batsmen. You were accused of being on drugs again after you joined uh, me on the end of the show yesterday. <laughs> I think everyone last, said I was on mushrooms. Last week oh, it was no, no. mushrooms, this week by, by naming, well, essentially five bowlers. Yeah, never touch the stuff, but you have to do something different. We lost the first yeah. test. That was because of our batting. So now what do we do? We lose Kane Williamson. We load it up with another batter, Michael Bracewell. Great stuff to him. He's a debutante. He's going to bat at seven. Um, <coughs> why do we need a, a batter at seven? Let Jameson come in at seven. So you've got Jameson, Southey, Wagner. doesn't sound formidable, but they all do chip in a bit. Um, and a Bolt even chips in. Um, so that's what I would have liked to have seen. It hasn't gone that way. And once again, AJS Patel finds himself out of the team. Yeah. And we have to ask questions about why do we not know how to use our spinner? When Jack Leach, there is turn there on this Trent Bridge wicket. Atherton was saying there, there was a little bit of purchase there. Surely we're looking at it going, oh, maybe we've got this wrong. So you're uncertain if they've actually made the right call when all is said and done as far as the makeup of the side. We've gone over the autopsy, I think I described it on Smithy's show yesterday. Top, and my take was top order runs. It's the currency of test cricket when you're 12 for four, you know, four for 20, yeah. six for 30. They were 50 the first, for eight. Yeah, in the, in the first innings, they actually did incredibly well to get back into a winning position. So you've got to give them a tick on that front. But they had to be more ruthless. And at 318 for four, that's when you are ruthless. Yeah. You, and you, you extinguish one option as far as a result tonight, don't you? You take the chance of England winning this test out if you play well enough tonight. You, you bat for as long as you can. And if you've got a spinner in the team, you go, well, happy days. Four bowlers and a spinner. Because what you can do is you can bowl the spinner from one end. Ajaz Patel doesn't leak runs very easily. He's not a leg spinner that, you know, uh, the economy rate's pretty high. He's got a low economy rate. They've only got the, you know, Stokes who will look to be dominant. Who, who tried to target him. Yeah. And did. And we Hit him out have, of the attack. Shouldn't have bowled him against Stokes. But if you've got Ajaz Patel, then you can rotate your quicks from the other end in short bursts, a four-over burst where you go, just give me everything you've got. How much can Brace will bowl, you know? Oh, Just a few overs here and there. It's not oh. something you're going to say, right, you're going to bowl now for you know the hour after tea. We need, we need some time to refresh our quick. He could, but he's not a red ball bowler. He's more a white ball bowler. So the skill of guile and air and changing your length, I don't know if that would quite be there. For, he's, you know, he's no Jeetan Patel. But AJ's Patel, that's his skill. That's his, his front-line skill. Michael Bracewell's front-line skill is batting. So it'll be a huge challenge for him. It's a it's a massive opportunity for Bracewell, isn't it? What a great opportunity! He didn't it's, have a, he didn't have a great plunker shot. I think he averaged no. nineteen with the bat. Yeah, and then suddenly one score over fifty and ten knocks. Yeah, generally not the form that gets you a call up to play England in England, does it, Grant? No, but I think what the Black Caps are doing is they also they're choosing on character, and I do like that. And once you're in that environment, you tend to get better and better and better. All the facilities are there, the coaching. You can train as much as you want, train as hard as you want. You don't have the um, handbrake of facilities, which I think holds a lot of New Zealand cricketers back. And, um, you know, if you're not getting better in that Black Caps environment, then it's on you as a player. We have more analysis for Craig Cumming, former Black Caps uh, opener, with us shortly. Uh, we're going to welcome in Ben Francis, producer extraordinaire. Good morning. Good morning, Kia ora. Are you okay this week? It's our weekly therapy session. Warriors fan numero uno at SCNZ. 
Another uh, another fairly dull week in Warriors Nation, wasn't it? Not much happened. He did get his shirt, though. He got his shirt. It has arrived? arrived, yes. Yeah, I did, I did get my uh, Grant Elliott black cap shirt. He asked me to put it on, but the problem is it's a size medium, and I'm about a 2XL, so I don't think it would have fitted. My, you, pa- my partner put it on, You didn't think about this? You have seen the guy a few times. You do know he, he's got a nickname called the Hero Javelin for a reason. Yeah, but I wanted to frame it. That's why I wanted oh, it. All right. Okay. So you're not even going to wear it? No, of course not. Yeah. It's a, it's a piece of sporting like memorabilia history. Right. You're the Warriors uh, guru among stuff. Us, Stacey Jones, uh, interim coach, whatever you want to call it. I have heard so many people suggest what happens if he doesn't turn their fortunes around, it's going to tarnish his legacy. Can I just say that is the biggest load of nonsense I have heard in my life. Okay, that's dramatic and that's over the top. But that's nonsense. No matter what he does as coach, it's not going to tarnish his legacy, right? We all know he's taking over. A broken down vehicle. And he's taking We over. all know what he did on the field. We, we can separate the two, right? It's not going to tarnish his legacy. Well, or am I on an island on this one? No, you're not, because he's taking over on an interim basis. That kind of means that he's kind of just filling the gap. He's filling uh, the Warriors need a coach. He's just filling in for the rest of the season. I don't see, think you can say this tarnishes his legacy. How can it? Well, I, the I, little general. All I remember is him on the field, not season 2022, another lost season, and him coming in to, to try and right the wrongs. It just seems absolutely odd to me people would suggest this runs the risk of tarnishing his legacy, a bit like you did by joining me in a Saturday morning sports show, Grant. That's understandable, people giving you crap. <laughs> well, someone is giving me a bit of stick at the moment. They're saying... Can someone remind Grant that Patel bowled two overs for 22 runs at Lords? Hardly great economy. We well, he was targeted by that. Stokes. He only bowled two overs, but you look at his career. Rico, that's a small sample size. <laughs> two overs. Uh, but I lads, what's point. going on with Wags? Why aren't they picking him? Is he injured? Cheers from Chris. And I think we've covered that one. And lastly, before we get to a break, kia ora, lads. I reckon the Brumbies will win because it sounds like Auckland TV commentators, the press... Assume that means us, Grant. Believe they will be at Eden Park next week. If they are listening and reading the press, then it's job done for the Brumbies. Athletes reading their press. Gee, we could spend four hours on this, couldn't we? Yeah, I used to read Yeah, you did. I did. A lot. And then I stopped reading. Yes. And it helped, didn't it? It did help. And then I read it when I did well. (laughs) Selective (laughs) reading. Had a good day. Let me open the papers. (laughs) And still got abused. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Keep your messages rolling at double eight double three. Uh, also today, uh, like every Saturday, thanks to the wonderful team at uh, Sleep Drops. Uh, we want to hear your nominations for Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. I've got a beauty this week, um, and it leads to a challenge I'm going to put to Grant Elliott. Can't wait for that. Sleep Drops New Zealand only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Uh, send your favourite moments of the sporting week, our Sleep Drops Performance of the Week, to double eight to double three. Uh, we will take a break. Craig Cumming is going to join us. Richard writes, no one said his reputation would be tarnished, Daniel. It was a discussion point, not a statement. Well done for falling into that trap. Well, Richard, I respectfully disagree when I hear people say, I hope this doesn't affect his reputation. Uh, I'm just saying it's not going to affect his reputation, in my opinion. He's a fill-in. I I guess I am discussing it, so I'm falling into a trap. Not sure. I don't think anyone's really watching the Warriors. 
at the moment. Really? Says Warriors fan. Well, I just, it's just been so shambolic. Ever since Ben Francis told me to support the Warriors, yeah. and I pulled the jersey on, I just like, can it get any worse? Well, wait till next week. It's 20 yeah. minutes after 11 o'clock. We, oh, you're, getting, you're getting the Andrew Mertens from Ben Francis, too. Oh, I'm trying to be positive. Yeah, I know. It's a bit niggly in the studio today. Maybe Craig Cumming can a- uh, offer some some calmness, some serenity. Good morning. How are you? Where are you? Good morning, guys. Good evening. And uh, uh, don't support the Warriors. Just <laughs> How are you, Craig? Did you, did you spend um, a bit of time up last night watching the Test match? Well, I actually spent quite a bit of time. I, I watched the first bit. I mean... Uh, we did go to bed and then um, I had my own radio show this morning, so I sort of, for some reason, I don't know, I woke up at about 3 o'clock and couldn't get back to sleep, so I, I sort of watched the last session. So, yeah, I, I watched uh, quite a lot more than I probably planned, but I actually really enjoyed it. It was nice to, you know, the positivity in that first session with the bat, and then, uh, again, Blundell and, um, you know, Mitchell batting at the end. I really enjoyed that too, and um, it was nice to see, you know, after being put on a day one, and I think everyone was a little bit nervous about how it was going to go. I think the black caps would be... Very, very satisfied with our, you know, at the end of the day. It's a good point about the positivity. I mean, how difficult is it as a batting lineup to show positive signs after what happened at Lords, where obviously it was a bit shaky. No one really stood up. They would have chatted about it, and you, you want to get bat on ball. Um, do you think they would have approached it um, in a way that, speaking about it as a team, and exactly what they did to the actions that followed? Yeah, from what I from what I heard, I mean, I think um, it was a good sign. You know, um, Latham played a back foot punch, and so did Young early on. I, I don't think I think you know you should always approach everything the same way um, every time you go at the bat, especially as an opener. You know, you you always you know it's not about being aggressive, but the reality is if you don't put away a bad ball, if you're not looking to hit the ball, um, you could bat for you know three or four hours, and if you're only going to be on twenty, you, you're no further ahead. So. Um, but sometimes it's just having that intent of running between the wickets, looking to take on mid-on and mid-off the way they were running. And, um, yeah, it just sets the tone. And you've you got to make sure that if they miss, you hit. And, um, yeah, Black Caps did that. I thought, you know, that opening partnership um, was, was very good. Will Young, maybe a little bit of pressure starting to come on him. I didn't realise that she's, his average sort of slipped down to about 27. Um, but uh, still, you know, quality player. And, uh, the ball didn't swing as much, so that worked in their favour, and it probably didn't seem as much. And I, and I sort of thought that they took, you know, negated uh, England's strength by being positive and, and, and rotating the strike, left hand, right hand. Um, but um, you know, their fields were very attacking. They, they were quite pretty to colour light, but also, um, you know, sometimes I also, having watched a lot of that as a, as a commentator, there can be flaws in that because it does allow batting teams to get off to. Uh, good starts, but uh, at the end of the day, you still got to put the bad ball away, and I, I thought it was really good. Now, I um, I was invited onto Daniel's other show. He's now got another show. He, he, Turn it up, he, Mikey. You think I'd jump stations? He left the Saturday session to go and fill in for Smithy, but he, he asked me on his show. Obviously, it was a sort of last-minute thing hearing about Williamson out with COVID. I said that I wanted to see Wagner in the team, and I would have left Ajaz Patel in there as well and backed our batting on Trent Bridge, which is historically quite flat. What do you think of the lineup they chose? Uh, that would be brave. The problem we've got with our, with our bowlers at the moment, and that includes Ajaz Patel, is they all just don't bat well enough. Um, mm. So 
even Jamison, who started off with a bit of a hiss and roar, a bit of a, a false front, a little bit like Tim Southern. Uh, yeah. we, we need one of them to become. We need one of them to become an all rounder because at the moment, when we play our seamers, we we are light on batting. If we play Ajax Patel, we're light on batting. But I I just thought I, I thought that if you're going to bring in a seam, if you're going to bring in a seamer and not play a spinner, it's got to be Neil Wagner. Neil Wagner's basically done the role of a spinner for the last five or six years. He bowls totally. in the middle overs. He bowls when it's flat. Um, he bowls when there's nothing happening, and he's got 230 test wickets doing that. So, um, to me, you know, Matt Henry's a new ball bowler. I think he's a seamer. Yes, he does well in English conditions, but I think at the moment we've got those bases covered. And having watched the game last night and watched a lot of it, I, I hope they don't sit back and regret leaving Neil Wagner out because if you look at the results, probably in the test results, especially in our home summer, um, I think one of the reasons we lost to Bangladesh and the reason we lost to South Africa was around our selections. We got them wrong, and I hope it doesn't come back and bite them in the bum because Wagner, to me, should have been playing. I just, I just can't understand that. Well, no, it's no. not like this no. guy's had a small sample. How many test wickets now? Yeah, so, I mean, Craig, he was the second quickest bowler in New Zealand to 200 test wickets behind Sir Richard Hadley. Yeah. And I've been looking at a couple of uh, statistics here. Yeah, and this backs up the point Craig has just made is of he's been doing the job of, like, the of, of the spinner. Yeah, a spinner would be someone that, you know, gets um, their dismissals with set batters. Now, Neil Wagner has the highest percentage of dismissal with set batters at 39.8%. So he gets guys are in and on, you know, on their way to big scores. Well, he's ahead of Nathan Lyon, Yassir Shah, Ravindra Jadeja, and Rangana Hirath, who all are all spinners. <laughs> so, and then you've got um, he, how he makes it happen. He's got the most 100-plus ball stands, which are broken by pace bowlers, the highest percentage of that. So anything which is 100 runs plus, he manages to, to break that partnership, and he's the highest by far, 22.5%, above Stuart Broad, who's only at 13.6%. So I don't understand it. I, I'm, I must just think that Neil Wagner must be injured to not make a place in the team. Well, yeah, again, I, I, yeah, maybe he's not right. I'll be surprised. Um, you just got to look to see if he's on the balcony for a start, um, because if he's not, he's away, you know, fuming, and I certainly will not be facing the nets at the moment. He, yeah, I just, I mean, the reason we've got away with not playing a spinner for the last probably seven years nearly now is because of Neil Wagner. He, he does, mm. he doesn't bowl much in the first set. Now that's also the last two years, and remember last year he was swinging the Duke ball over in the UK, so he was actually yep. swinging it um, and taking wickets with the Duke ball um, by hitting the stumps, getting LBWs, but. Um, you know, when you look at the way that he bowls, the reason we haven't needed to is because cause he doesn't bowl a lot in that first hour, hour and a half. He might bet a wee short spell before lunch. Uh, he'll bowl probably 10 or 11 overs in that middle spell, probably in one. And then before the new ball, it means there's no dead overs between that sort of 68 to 80 overs. And, that, and that's where his 23 overs are made up from. And then he probably won't bowl before the end of the day's play. And... It's always doing a job when normally yes, spinner would be doing it. And yes, he's got what two hundred and thirty test wickets at you know twenty seven. His strike rate's probably just below Sir Richard Hadley and also Shane Bond. It was small sample. Um, to me, it, there's either you know I don't know. Matt Henry's done well. He's a well in New Zealand, but you know I just find you know I don't know who I'd rather be facing. To put it that way. And and wouldn't you say now, Craig, that the position that the Black Caps are in. You almost want a bowler like Wagner or an Ajaz Patel because you're eyeing up that sort of second innings where 
everyone alluded to the pitch. They said it was grassy on top, but it was dry underneath. And Neil Wagner is, is pretty good in those conditions. Well, you, you throw all your eggs in one basket, and by you know you've got to win the toss and bowl first, and you know that's what caught them out at Hagley in that second test. All of a sudden, South Africa won the toss, and they they batted first. No one could believe it. But what it meant is New Zealand's bowling attack didn't do the job on day one, and then when you need some variation, you don't have it. I mean, you know the Grandon's not there. I mean Mitchell's forging his way as a batter now. I mean he, he might bowl a few million paces, but he's certainly not a test bowler uh, who's going to be attacking and. You bang on. We're going to have to bowling them out twice now, um, on day two and a bit, and then on day four and five. And um, you know, it's um, it's going to get, maybe it might get up and down. Maybe they know more than us. But I, I, yeah, I, I I I just couldn't believe it last night that they didn't make that change. Yeah, well, we have to say that it was really positive. Mitchell and Blundell, I mean, have been standout in the first test, and they've done it again um, in this test. They 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 were. Um, uh, Awesome to set up this foundation that New Zealand have currently got. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I was thinking about it actually um, this morning with, with Farrell Mitchell. I, I think he's probably he he could become our most important cricketer because I, I just look at him and you know, in one day cricket he got his opportunity. Uh, he got a hundred at the base in reserve a couple of years ago. They threw him at the top of the order in the T Twenty World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, and was fantastic opening the batting. Um, you know, helped win that semi final. Now he's playing test cricket. He's in the middle order. He's been given his chance. He's got 100 at Lords, and fingers crossed he can get 100 at Trent Bridge. You know, it's going to be hard. Find a way to leave him out. You can't. Um, you can't. Be, be, yeah, you can't. No. And, and what I like about Blundell, people asked me last year, you know, is he under pressure? I, to me, never. Never under pressure as, as, as the keeper, broad batter, keeper, keeper batter. What, what he just needed to do is find, find his you know, groove a little bit and, what I thought he did last year was he was trying to play a little bit BJ Watling like. I thought he was getting, trying to just dig in. Yeah. Um, and everyone has watched Tom Tom play over many years. He's a far more aggressive cricketer. He, he, yeah, he yes. likes to hit the ball. Um, he's a he always has positive intent, and I, it, it looks like he's found his groove again. It looks like he's found Tom Blundell's way, and he's not trying to be BJ Watling. And that was always going to happen. So I, I'm delighted for him because he's put in a lot of hard work. He's you know, both in the batting, but um, now we're starting to see the best of them. It's great to see. Uh, New Zealand got some slices of luck, didn't they? The catching from England was probably blow par. You've got to blame the coach for that, don't you, Craig? <laughs> poor, poor coaching. Oh, you got, Just poor you got coaching. Luck, you got a dilly. Yeah, you got it. But you got, yeah, they, they were raving about the slip cordon in the first test. And that's, yeah. You know, Bren, Brendan was solving a lot of problems on day one, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, we're, we're, yeah. we're off to world no. peace the way it was going. Oh, exactly. And then, um, you know, maybe on day two when they were, they were getting bowled out, it wasn't so rosy. Then, of course, they won't. Hey, he's obviously obviously making a difference. But, you know, you've got to take your luck. It's it's not a position. I used to start in that position, and by the end of my career, I got out of it because, you know, I've got one that starts to snowball. But, um, you know, they, they, um, they're they brewing dropping those opportunities. But at the end of the day, you know, it, that, that's test cricket. Um, you know, you've got to try and take them, but, you know, it's, it's always tough too. But, um, you know, you've got to take your luck. Yeah. I hate it when people say, oh, he was dropped once or twice. But he was, um, you've got to take your luck and you need some luck too. Can I read you a quote via one Simon Dill? I think during commentary on Sky Sports in the UK. I almost think that if Kane Williamson is fit to play and kept in the side in the third test, it might be for the last time in test cricket. I just think it is time for Tom Latham to take over the test side. Kane has done it for long enough. I just want him to be the best batsman New Zealand has ever had, and he will be. Right, you're puffing your cheeks out. You're pondering long and hard. No, I, I like the fact that 
Kane is not captaining if he's playing because um, I always feel, and I don't know what, what Craig thinks about this, but I always feel that the succession was broken when John Wright chose Ross Taylor as, as captain. It should have been Brendan, and then Ross should have taken over from Brendan, and then Kane should only be taking the reins now. Over the last Ross, couple of years, yeah. Yeah, over the last couple of, of years, but unfortunately he was given it at a young age. And there's so many responsibilities as captain. Some people enjoy it, some people don't. Um, I think it's up to Kane whether he enjoys it or not, but I think that it would take a lot of pressure off his batting, and he, we could just enjoy watching probably our best ever batter. Well, he, he's also New Zealand's most successful test captain, Craig. It's not even close as far as win percentages under Kane Williamson. Uh, are we looking at the wrong colour ball as far as alleviating some stress? Should he just not be captain of the other other forms? How, how, how do you oh, read this one? Oh, I think... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think captaincy affects Kane's batting at all. But I also think that uh, we've got to be careful that we don't wear him out. But in saying that, he's hardly played any cricket for the last year because of his elbow. That, that's more of, an, more of a worry for me is his elbow and making sure that he gets back fit. But I, I think you're right, and I think Grant's right. It gets to a stage, you know, you've got to be careful. I mean, it's a heavy workload being, you know, test captain, one-day captain, T20 captain when he plays and. You know, to me, um, you know, he's a wonderful captain, but he does it differently. Uh, and saying that, Tom Latham probably follows him. He's a little bit more methodical, and they look to slowly break teams down. But I've got no problem on it, and I think Dawley, Dawley's, you know, trying to create a headline, but there's a fair bit of substance around what he's saying. Oh, yeah. And a lot of good rationale. So, yeah, and I think we all agree. Kane, I mean, Kane, to be honest, in my opinion now, is our greatest. Um, you know, having watched him play, you've got to look at the 100 scored and uh, the impact that he's had on the game. But, you know, I just want to see Kane make get back and be fit for first and foremost. And, you know, they've got to look at succession planning. I mean, they've got to look at that anyway with the Black Caps because, you know, we are, again, we lost, what have we lost, three of our last five test matches. It might have been be uh, five of our last seven, isn't it, when you throw in India from last year. Yeah, uh, ageing team. that we've had is that, mm. yeah, we're starting to just peter away. We've got to think about Bolt, Saudi uh, and Wagner um, and where that look comes from. So... You know, they do have to plan ahead. Uh, it's been a rosy period for New Zealand cricket, but um, they do need to make sure that uh, they do things right. Otherwise, as we know in a sport, it can come to us pretty and hold them. Um, I've got no problem. Kane, as captain, look, the end of the day, it's up to him, isn't it? He, he's the one that will tell you if he's, if he's feeling worn out or not. But at the moment, I think Kane's just desperate to captain or not. He just wants to play some test cricket because he's missed far too many. Yeah. yeah. But, but I want him available for every test. I'm thinking if the elbow... Yeah. Uh, is a problem, you know, you, you want them to be able to take off those maybe less significant games, T20 internationals, one-day internationals, although yeah, that's what the fans the want. That's what the fans want. That's what the fans want, apparently. So maybe he needs to play every T20. Yeah. Oh, it's confusing. Oh, it's confusing. Well, well Craig, I mean, obviously, to, to wrap this up then, tomorrow morning is going to be really important for um, New Zealand, or tonight for us. Now, the, the new ball's seven overs old. Um, what do they have to do? How are they going to approach it? Oh, it, it's one of those ones. I mean, they're still going to have to take 20 wickets. So, you know, they, if they can get themselves through to 450, if they put pressure on England, they can knock them over. Um, and they've got to create time. They've done that really well by scoring quickly. Uh, they've got to continue to score quickly uh, and create time to take 20 wickets because, again, we've got our seamers who are going to be doing that. And by the look of it, the ball goes pretty flat after 40-odd overs. If it swings... We're always in the game. We know that. But, um, you know, create time that well. Um, you might as score as many runs in the first innings um, than, than they get in the second innings. So be able to do that. They get 450. They also put England under pressure. Remember, this England top three 
take out Joe Root is pretty ordinary. So um, we can have him three for not many. Um, Vienna puts real pressure on Joe Root, uh, Stokes and Best down that middle. And, um, if you put them under pressure uh, in both innings, then you've got an opportunity. But at the moment, Joe Root seems to be the key, isn't he? And if they can, they said they've got to try and work out ways to get him out. I don't know how that is, but uh, let's see if they've got a plan in place. So what's the Duke of Dunedin got lined up this afternoon? <laughs> Uh, not a lot, actually. He's actually stuck inside in isolation at the moment. So, um, not for myself, I'm actually negative, but um, my wife's got COVID, so uh, oh. um, I'm going to have an afternoon kit and get ready for a big night of test cricket. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds delicious. Oh, so much beautiful. sport this weekend, uh, Craig. Um, we wish your wife all the very best, and thanks so much for joining us, mate. <laughs> thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys. Craig, Craig Cumming, cricket commentator, of course, and... Uh, former New Zealand international joining the programme. Always interesting uh, observations from the mind of one uh, Craig Cumming. It's 24 minutes away from 12 o'clock before we get to our break. It is time, as you ready yourself, your Saturday, to recap the news of the day. We call it editor-at-large as we unpack all the sport you've missed out on with Burger King, home of the Whopper. Mm. During the segment, we'll add in our totally unwarranted and uh, unwanted opinion. Although... Probably to start, recap the cricket at the top for people if they're just uh, waking up. Black Caps in control after day one of the second test in England at Trent Bridge. 318 for four. Daryl Mitchell, Tom Blundell once again. Big stand between those two, as was the case at Lord's. Uh, 81 not out to Mitchell at Stumps, while Blundell 67. Uh, to golf, uh, Bryson DeChambeau has become the most significant player to turn his back. Um on the PGA Tour and join the fledging Saudi-funded LIV Golf Series. He has, been un, uh, he has been unveiled the day after the PGA Tour said it would suspend uh, any member joining the rival circuit. DeChambeau's first appearance will be the second event of the $250 million series uh, later this month in Portland, Oregon. The first of uh, seven fifty-four hole $20 million events is currently taking place at the Centurion Club near London with a four-day Forty million pound finale scheduled uh, for October in Miami. That's what I feel like you did on Friday. You went to the Rebel League. I just played on another PGA Tour event. Is that what it was? That's what I was doing. Ben, help me out here. I'm basically being accused of being a mercenary and a traitor. No, I'm on Grant's side on this one. Oh wow. Okay. Wow. So there, there, there is a d- divided SCNZ between the weekdays and the weekenders. Traitor. Maybe we're the Saudi tournament. The Saturday set. <laughs> You went back to the PGA. We ain't, mate, I, my pay slip tells me we're not the Saudi. <laughs> I'm on Daniel's side on that one. <laughs> to the NRL, the North Queensland side have uh, held off a spirited St. George Illawarra to win 31 points to 12 at home to win their 10th game of the season. 10 games, guys. A club's won 10 games in the NRL and submit them, uh, themselves inside the competition top four. How many wins for the Warriors? Currently? Four. How many more do they get this year? I think that's two. From that, that's France. two more. I think that's two. Is that one side of the state of origin windows? So one more before and one after. Okay. Thank you. Out of football, slight injury concern over all whites captain Winston Reid. A few days out from their big World Cup qualifying playoff against Costa Rica. He set out yesterday's nil-all draw with Omar with a groin and niggle. Uh, though it seems the uh, All Whites coach, Danny Hay, is optimistic. He will make the cut. The 33-year-old was uh, doing individual sprints before the game to test the movement. Uh, and I quote, we need to see how he comes through that, but we are confident he should be right by the time we play Costa Rica 
Danny Hay told the New Zealand Herald's Michael Burgess. And finally, got to get there, don't we, Grant? Oh, no. We're not still. I thought yeah. we were axing the segment. Oh, maybe just one more week. It's that time of the week. It's Sean White time. I'm Last gonna... week, Grant Elliott promised us. He did promise us he would be on the show before September 1st. Any updates? And well, we want Sean White, the athlete, not some douchebag that you've met on LinkedIn or something. <laughs> I did send the, the team a photo of someone called Sean White. <laughs> <laughs> that you're mates with Which, on LinkedIn. That'll be that my would, last resort. That would be quite funny, actually. We could, we could tease it all day. And <laughs> Hello, Sean. He got thick Kiwi, he's got to have a thick Kiwi accent. Now, while Sean hasn't been on our show yet, this week he's been living it up in France, Grant, while... He also launched his own flavour of beef jerky. Oh. It's called the Spicy Sesame Ginger. Man after my own heart. Yes. Brilliant stuff. So uh, good luck to Sean White. Uh, that was editor at large, all the sporting news you definitely need to know about. And a flying carrot update. It's nice to hear from the flying carrot. He's a busy man, just got engaged. Um, and she, she's got about 2.4 million followers on Instagram. It's, and that's really important to you, Grant. World I do class know. model. Yeah, <laughs> very important. The amount of followers. World class. How yeah. many followers are you up to? Uh, I don't know. Ah, uh, you do know to the exact number, I'm sure. A very special guest joins us after the break. Uh, the man who who wrote our theme tune. It's 19 minutes away from 12. <laughs> Feel a bit sad, pointed, bit down, bit deflated. It's quarter to 12. Pick me up, Grant. Why is that? Why are you feeling so deflated? Unavailable. He'll come through. You've got to think positively. No, I don't. I I can't believe that the person who we base all of our musical material on in the show has just has ghosted us. Or oh, he's ghosted Ben Francis. I'm going to say he's ghosted Ben Francis. I've never spoken to him. But he's in Boston. He's in Massachusetts. So yeah, we they've got the game going on, don't we? We're going to talk about his, uh, you know, his, art, his art, his craft, his business, but also, you know, Boston is a mad basketball state. Oh, they're crazy. Incredible history. They'd be frothing at the thought of winning another NBA title, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you just love to be there right now? Mate, what there are, are certain places you would just love to be there, like a Game 7 at Boston. Yeah, at Boston. It would be incredible. I watched, I watched Game 1 or Game 2, whatever it was, and I saw those Boston Celtics fans, and I looked at my son, who's a Celtics fan, and I said, we've got to go there. That has got to be on the bucket list. They look like they're at a one of those... Massive darts tournaments where no one really goes to watch darts. Let's be honest, Ben Francis. Well, the host of SNZ's, um, you know, leading dart shows is producing the show. Be careful. He would be front and center watching the darts. You get your purists, but let's admit, a lot of the people that go to the darts are not there to watch. They're there for an event. Nothing wrong with that, is there? How dare fans have fun at sporting events? (laughs) Well, that's what we need to learn in New Zealand. We need, especially when you go to the rugby. I know you've spoken about it. Everyone's dressed in their black, and it's very serious. We need to get away from that. Look at the Boston Celtics. What? Do yourself a favour, and watch the NBA Finals because the fans are unbelievable. Are you going to be that when you go to the Wellington Saints and our own sales uh, NBL later today? I am. First. <laughs> yeah. So I did tell you. I said uh, I'm, I'm taking the boy. The Saints. Yeah. We've got a table for eight. Uh, thanks to a friend of ours, Brett. So, yeah, he's going to take all of his mates. He he honestly feels this like... This is the biggest day out in your son's sport-watching life. I said Stuff-watching dad in a, in a World Cup. Yeah. Look at that. I said goodnight to him, and I said, why are you smiling? 
And I said, is it because of the basketball? And he went, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. He thinks that, he's going to the NBA. That is great. He is so fizzed up for this game. Well, hopefully he's by the, the opposition bench. <laughs> Chipping away. Yeah, like but he's in the slip cordon or something. Ten-year-old having a go at them. All right. Well, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Matt can't join us right now. Um, we'll connect with him eventually, whether it's today or, or the weeks to come. Um, we'll do a truncated version of uh, the weekend words then, the sporting quotes that have stood out to us for a variety of reasons. You can go first, Grant. Okay. Um, I was going to use a, a Brendan McCullum one, just um, Ben Stokes talking really nicely about his new coach, but I thought we've ha- Brendan's had a lot of airtime. So what I'll give more airtime to is the Saudi golf <laughs> tournament, <laughs> which I'm really enjoying. Yeah, you are really Because all these it. mercenaries jumping across, getting told they can't play for the PGA. So I don't mind the ones who haven't, you know, earned mega bucks in their career. I'm, yeah. It's the ones that have earned, you know, upwards of 100 million US already. It's like, it's the, it's the Saudi sovereign fund. It's the actual, it's the government that is funding this. And, and Phil Mickelson asked if he could get Just uh, don't go to release. the embassy to, if they invite you any of these golfers. So anyway, yeah. Scotty Schiffler, um, he was talking about um, just before the RBC Canadian Open, he said, um, asked about the guys joining the LIV Tour, which he hasn't joined. He said, I haven't really noticed anyone missing this week, maybe outside DJ, Dustin Johnson. That is great shade, isn't it? Yeah. That is great shade. Uh, I've simply got English uh, football coach Gareth uh, Southgate. England have to play Italy behind closed doors due to um, fan um, misbehavior. Um, only 3,000 fans are allowed to attend, most of which will be children. He's quoted as saying, if... Uh, it's an embarrassment for England as a country. A lot of people that caused the problems, I'm not certain, were football fans. The great irony of this, England played Hungary behind closed doors during the week. There was about 12,000 kids because of racist abuse inside the stadium. So only kids allowed. That's a FIFA mandate. So they did the black-like matter salute, and they got booed oh. by kids. Oh, Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff indeed. It's 10 minutes away from 12 o'clock back after this break. This is the Saturday session, almost five minutes away from 12 o'clock. Coming up in the next hour, our Saturday session legends with the All-Whites uh, about to play a World Cup qualifier against Costa Rica next week. We're going to speak to a man whose fingerprints are all over the history of New Zealand football. Mr. Ricky Herbert's going to join us. While we'll have our Sleep Drops Performance of the Week nominations from Grant and myself, and I'm going to set you a challenge. Are, are you willing to take it? I'm willing to take the challenge. Yeah. I'll take it off. My, my Sleep Drops Performance of the Week will result in Grant Elliott uh, making a fool of himself on radio once more. No, you won't. It's in your wheelhouse, I promise you. Okay. You, you've done this before. Yeah. Yeah. So, good on you. And, and unlike all the other challenges we see you, you're going to actually do this one? I did watch um, uh, someone on a ski jump this morning, and that scared me, because that <laughs> is one of the challenges. Into an inflatable wall. So, what? Yeah. No, no, no. That's what I have to do, into an inflatable cushion or wall. But this person was doing a legitimate ski jump, and it did scare me. So, that's gone down the list of... Yeah tasks that you actually want to do now. Yeah, that'll be okay. fifth on the list. Uh, get your Sleep Drops uh, Performance of the Week coming through on double eight double three. Remember, everyone goes into the draw to win a prize. Thanks to the team at Sleep Drops. The sporting moment of the week, the performance of the week, whatever you identified. Remember, you need your sleep to perform well, and we want to give you a prize. Thanks to the team at Sleep Drops. Get those uh, nominations coming through. Back after this. Matt, Matt, Matt. Matt, Matt, Matt. Oh, we're very excited here on the Saturday session. We're very excited here on the Saturday session. 
The man who's penned this crafted it joins us right now. He, he, he doesn't know, but he's, he wrote the theme tune to our song, Grant. He did. He did. And he's in Massachusetts. The Capitals, Boston. The Celtics are taking on the Warriors. Matt Farley, all the way from Massachusetts. A bit late. A bit dusty there, Matt. Oh, I'm wide awake. I'm ready for game four. It's starting in an hour. Oh. Your, your first for game four. Is Bo would Boston just be the best place in the world to be if they won another NBA title? Yeah, well, we're insufferable because we've won a lot of championships around here lately. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're not going to the game, are you, Matt? Oh, no, I just watched it on the couch. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, Matt. T tell us your, your past because uh, we, we started playing these songs a couple of months ago and, my lord, the, the reaction has been quite um, uh, extraordinary. A lot of people are getting in contact, wanting to know how to get their own version of you know, walk it, take us back to the beginning of time, the genesis of this wonderful music that you're providing the world and to us here on SCNZ. I was, I was in an almost normal kind of band, you know, about 20 years ago, and um, we would put out albums, and I noticed uh, the normal songs nobody listened to, but if I, <laughs> if I, had, if I had very specific titles and, and topics for songs, then people would listen to them. And so since then, I've written, you know, 23,000 extremely specific songs. And, and Matt, what's your highest um, viewed uh, uh, song at the moment on YouTube? Oh, you're all about social media metrics, aren't you, Elliot? <laughs> what's metrics? It's, uh, oh, you know, measurable. Just a tosser, aren't you, mate? Well, I have a band. One of my bands is called the Toilet Bowl Cleaners, and um, those songs <laughs> are the most popular. The Toilet Bowl Cleaners? What a magnificent name. That is a great yeah, name. Well, I'm going to kids... search that. Yeah. Kids like poop, you know. <laughs> yeah. now, now, Matt, I've got a, I've got a, uh, a, a, I am originally South African, living in in New Zealand, but I've got a friend um, in South Africa who's a Kosa, and uh, his name is Dalukolo. Um, it's, With a little click. D a l u x o l o. So I'm, I'm not too sure if you could do something for him. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I would definitely butcher the pronunciation, but sometimes that makes it even more fun. Uh, are there certain parts of the globe you try to stay clear of? I, I'd imagine the eastern block of Europe is quite difficult. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just mostly going for anyone who speaks English. Yeah. So you've done 23,000 songs. Yes. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah, one of my other projects is um, I do songs about cities and towns, and um, eventually I'll get to New Zealand. Okay, well, it has to be Wellington, the capital of for which we, uh, where we do the show from. I think we're the only Wellington-based show across the network. So you've got to start with Wellington, don't you, Matt? Yeah, well, basically, I'll just open up the Wikipedia page for your most populated cities, and I'll just sing what I read on the page. It sounds like... Grant Elliott when he's doing an interview. <laughs> no, well, well, Matt, Matt we, we had our producer who actually mixed in Grant and Daniel Yeah, I hope you together. don't mind. We've basically stolen your, uh, your work, and it's now become our unofficial theme tune. I hope you're okay. The, the check is not in the mail, by the way. I'm totally fine with it. It's an <laughs> honor. Thank you. And if you do have a problem with it, Ben Francis is the producer's name. So just make sure that you... <laughs> You send him a, a, a copyright note or whatever it is that you have to do. But we, we've been really excited about not only the tunes that you bring, but hopefully we were, we were hoping that maybe you could 
you could make a tune about the Saturday session. Oh, I come don't. on, let's, let's not get too carried away. I'd like to know, in the 23,000 songs, if you've got one for Therese. What is that? Is that a name? That is a name. That is a name, <laughs> Therese. That is my wife's name. It's her birthday today. Happy birthday, Therese. T-H-E-R-E-S-E. All right. Yeah, I, I, I have Teresa, but that's that's not quite right. No, that will um, really I, piss her off, in fact. <laughs> I, I can from, tell you that for I a just fact. Went through, I just went through the top, like, almost 2,000 names in the U.S. That's where I got my list from. And it doesn't make the cut. Oh, well, she is unique. Hey, for, for those listening wondering what the heck we're talking about, uh, where can people find your work and find their wildly specific song about themselves? Well, for that, you just like go to a music site and type in the guy who sings your name over and over, and you'll find the, the entire discography. Love that. When you, Matt, when you maybe um, have a couple too many, do you just break out into songs with people's names around the table? I don't need any um, supplements to do that. I just do it anyway. <laughs> Brilliant. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for joining us, having a bit of fun and allowing us to steal your work. Uh, keep up the great work, and I look forward to the next 23,000 songs. Go Celtics. Thanks, yes, Matt. Go Celtics. That is fantastic. Come on, we need, the, we need the Daniel and Grant version now. The guy who sings your name over and over. I just love that. It's just magnificent. I play this at home. Yeah. It's not received that well by the kids now. That no, it's not. Over it, but I love it. Oh, brilliant work. That is fantastic. All right, let's get to Sleep Drops Performance of the Week as we try to bring this back. Coming up in about 10 minutes' time, our Saturday session legend, you will want to hear from him, Ricky Herbert, of course, who went to a World Cup as a player and coached New Zealand at a World Cup. Uh, his fingerprints are all over the history of New Zealand cricket. Uh, New Zealand uh, football, for sure. Uh, I'm going to mention cricket right now because this is uh, Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. Uh, in association with uh, Sleep Drops, uh, for you, the listener, we've got a prize pack to give away. Uh, to send us, say, your nomination to double eight, double three. I was going to be rather serious and go Joe Root's fourth innings inning, brilliant, match winning, uh, had been criticised for a long period about lack of runs in the fourth innings, etc., etc. But I'm not, because that would be complimenting England, and I'm not in the mood. Okay. So I, I found something um, via the European Cricket League, which is, oh, I don't know how we describe it. That is... It's one of the most shambolic leagues I've ever seen. Oh, I know. So, there, and, and maybe, maybe Ben can put the, the, the video I'm talking about specifically up on uh, our socials uh, so people understand, because uh, it's difficult on radio to describe a video. But um, in summary, it is a video where they run three to the keeper. Oh, I'm watching it now. If, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, you know, late in one day internationals, oh, I need to get the, the best player on strike. We'll steal a bye. We'll steal a bye. Well, they steal three, Grant. Now, Grant, my challenge for you, being by far and away the best commentator <laughs> on the show, if I play this video, will you commentate it for the audience? Of course I will, but You're... I just need to know names. Well, so... the, well, he'd write our medium pacer, big diff on him. We'll call him Craig McMillan, right? Okay. He yep. bowls a bit like Macca. Who's at the uh, the strikers end? Who does it remind you of? That sort of Dion Nash type sort of stance? Yeah, but let's go with an Australian. So stealing runs. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so Trevor Chappell? Yeah, Trevor Chappell. So we go, okay, Trevor Chappell. And then uh, Adam Perori. Is behind the stumps. Okay. Yeah. 
So on screen, the two batters, the bowler, and the keeper is all Grant can see. So here we go. Here we go, Grant. I want you to call this. The game's getting 24 tight, seconds. 24 yeah. seconds. Craig here, McMillan. Here, Craig McMillan. Right Craig, arm over the wicket. Craig McMillan running in. Delivers the ball. It's wide and full. Missed by the keeper who goes for the stumping. They scamper through for the single. They're through. Oh, they're coming back. The non-strikers come back through. There's an opportunity here at the wicket. Wicket keepers in. No, not out. As they scamper through for another one, another opportunity, and he scampers through for a third. <laughs> How did they scamper through for three? There was lots of scampering. They shouldn't right? have got one. They, they shouldn't have got one. So he bowls. The guy tries to swipe it through the offside. He misses it. The keeper then tries to stump him when he's got his bat down. Keepers he misses the, the stump. Strikers end. He throws it halfway up the pitch, and then it's this Keystone Cops. It is one of the funniest videos I have seen. It is without question my Sleep Drops performance of the week. <laughs> and to you, Grant Elliott, for attempting to commentate that utter car crash. Well, I don't what? think anyone on radio commentary, no one would know no, what that, was happening. That's what I mean. It's much easier uh, with visuals. That would be one of the hardest things to commentate <laughs> in radio. Oh, quality. Maybe Ben can put that up, but uh, bring us back to some form of normality. I think my, Your nomination. my sleep drops performance of the week. Queensland? Uh, Queensland beating New South Wales? No, it's no. not that. Is, is, it has to be Daryl Mitchell. Craig Cumming mentioned it. And the thing is, he went back to back, so he did it again last night. And I know we lost the test match, but I think for someone who has come such a long way in his cricket career, and as Craig Cumming said, you know, he's filled a lot of spots, opened in the T20 World Cup, and he's sort of come and gone in the test selection and um you know 100 at lords 100 at lords is so special 100 at trent bridge would be special too to back Secret it up of potentially 100 at, at trent bridge so that's going to be my sleep it's a pretty good shout we want to hear from you though uh, on double eight double three get your nominations through like uh, the most recent one cam munster's one-on-one steal in the 78th minute to seal the win for queensland and state of O. Oh, uh fantastic uh, fantastic. Keep those uh, nominations coming through. Um, and we've got a prize back thanks to the team at Sleep Drops, New Zealand's only range of sleep and stress support supplements. That is still to come. It's just shy of 11 minutes after 12 o'clock. Coming up, our Saturday session legends in association with Somerset. Think legendary care. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. We will welcome in Mr. Ricky Herbert after this break. Almost 16 minutes after 12 o'clock, Ricky Herbert's going to join us uh, shortly. Let's get to some of your messages. And cl- like Grant always complains about people being mean to him on the show, don't they? So I'll get uh, to this one from Gary from Fielding. Bang on, Grant. Daryl Mitchell stepped up big time. Yeah, Gary knows what he's talking you about. Feel, feel better now, mate? I do. One person agrees with you? Grant, good to see the Black Caps batters put in some grit last night. None of the top four hit 50, but at least they got 50 without loss. Becoming Mitchell's tour, question mark, and good touch. See, they left your mate Wagner out. Hope you're okay. Hope the bowling department can dismantle. Oh, why is that gone? Can dismantle uh, the Poms. A good first total will help. Should deflate them. I think they're deflated already. Yeah. Heavy legs from Broad and Anderson at the moment. And uh, this is Pete, the Marco supporter in Nelson. G'day, Pete. Hope your day's going well. He writes, hi, guys. Been listening to SNZ to the anti-Crusader and one-eyed cam tab comments for the last week. Don't forget the Blues were rubbish for years until they hired an ex-Crusader coach. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. Well played, Joe. 
the anti-crusader mob out there. It's just jealousy, isn't it? That's why, that's where my sort of anti-crusaderdom comes from, even I though I don't have really have a big anti-crusader. I don't know why. It's a human trait. When when someone's doing really well, yeah. you want to see them top. It's 16 lots, 16 finals they've made. Let's celebrate it. Right. Crusaders, but the Blues have still got to get through the semi-finals tonight. I think we can go to our very special guest. Is that right, Ben? We can indeed now. Uh, f- well, few, if any, have made as significant an impact uh, on the history of New Zealand football as our next guest. It's all part of the Saturday Session Legends segment. We speak to Wonderful athletes uh, about their careers, their teams, their seasons, certain games. And we thought it's uh, rather topical uh, with the All-Whites are facing a huge, huge opportunity uh, middle of next week against Costa Rica. Uh, they can go to a World Cup where, of course, uh, one Ricky Herbert has been as a player and a coach. And we are utterly delighted to have him uh, join us uh, today as part of the Saturday session. Legends uh, these days, of course, are... Uh, looking after the future of New Zealand football, certainly helping through the Ricky Herbert Football Academy. And I, I, I assume it's a Saturday. Ricky's probably out watching football right this very moment. Uh, hopefully we can connect with him. Good morning, Ricky. Morning, Dan. How's things? Oh, great. Great to, great to speak to you again. Are you out indeed watching football? Yeah, look, I've just jumped in the car. So yeah. I've watched a lot of junior football this morning and just scouting around the grounds. But um, no, fantastic. Hey, Ricky, it's, it's Grant Elliott here. Great to have you on the show, on our Legends show. Um, when you're, you're watching those kids out there, does it remind you of the times when you fell in love with the game? And, and what sort of age was it where you thought, oh, I could actually make a little living out of this? Yeah, thank, thanks, Grant. And uh, th- thanks for the opportunity to be on the show. Nice to talk to you. Um, yeah, look, I think, you know, football's been my life. I've grown up, you know, sort of started kicking a football run- around when I was four in South Auckland and... Uh, I guess I never looked back from a sport perspective and, um, you know, fell in love with it, um, you know, totally dedicated to it and, um, you know, kind of went through and, you know, very fortunate and proud to represent my country as a player and then and go on from a from a coaching perspective as well. So, um, yeah, look, dearly look back and, and see the, you know, thousands of kids around the country, both male and female, loving the game, enjoying the game and hopefully having that aspiration at some point to, to go on and, and just... just play at the highest level possible, whatever that may be for them. Ricky, I'm just trying to get get, get a, a vision of my mind of, of you as a four-year-old charging around. Uh, um, probably a <laughs> big smile on your face. Absolutely love. But use that word fully committed to the sport. When did that shift come about from just being a, uh, someone charging around having fun on a Saturday morning to someone who wanted to take their sport seriously? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good point, Dan. And I think... Um, Look, look, I, I didn't really venture into any other any other code. You know, I think it's... I probably grew up in that era where, you know, your Saturdays were about football, your Sundays were about in the park kicking around at your mate's place or in the backyard or... And, you know, I think I just had that constant sort of love of it, um, constant connection with it. And, and, and I guess as I moved through the grades, you know, I played with some really good guys and, you know, again, that love the game and were really passionate about it. And I think that probably kept me absorbed and probably kept me connected with the sport. Um, and then you get a bit of a glimpse of, you know, you might make a, a certain team here or some little representative team along the way. And um, I guess I just kept building that sort of puzzle and, um, you know, to a point that I was lucky enough to, to go to a big club in Mount Wellington when I was 15. Um, and, 
you know, we're training alongside, you know, arguably some of the best players that have played for New Zealand or were currently playing for New Zealand at that time. So um, environments were, were, were important, and I think I was lucky enough to, to sort of be introduced and, and given that chance to be in those environments. Ricky, did you dream of World Cups? I remember when I was, I was 12 years old and I watched my first Cricket World Cup, and from that moment on, I was besotted with the game, the white ball game, and wanted to play in a World Cup myself. Was that uh, something that happened to you growing up? Yeah, I think, look, through, through that era, um, too, ground. I think, you know, the big match was on, you know, that used to be played mm. before, you know, we'd, we'd go and play a National League game. So, I was, you know, I was always hugely sort of connected to, you know, going and playing in England and following clubs. I think when I was young, Chelsea was, was probably the club that I followed. And, you know, you'd get the shoot magazines and, yeah, you know, it was yeah. kind of like, it was just a fantastic part of my life, you know what I mean? I'd, I had super parents that were incredibly supportive and, and, and a sister that was amazingly supportive. And, you know, I think they just kind of grew and, and continued to, you know, retain um, myself playing in that sport. And um, and having those dreams, I think, Grant, is, is kind of the, you know, whatever those dreams are, but, um, you know, you set them pretty lofty. And, um, you know, I think that's always quite inspirational to have. Of course, you had a really successful club career, both New Zealand and Australia, went on to the UK, but specifically want to talk about your time with New Zealand as a player and a coach. Well, you played for New Zealand for, for near on a decade, uh, raked up a whole heap of games, but it started very young, didn't it? What, you were just 18 years young when, when you first started, and within two years you were in a Football World Cup. It just must have been sort of a frenzy in your mind those two years. Yeah, I mean... At that point, Dan, I was at Mount Wellington, and I think, um, you know, as I said previously, I think just training alongside some of the real icons of the game. And, um, you know, it just grew me as a player, and I think I learnt so much alongside that, you know, that experience that, that was at the club at that time. And, you know, to be called into the national team, uh, my first game actually on the club ground at, at Bill McKinley Park at Mount Wellington against Mexico. And, um, you know, that was the launch of you know, the, the national career for a number of players um, in that game. And, you know, the, the result was great. We won 4-0 and the performances right across the board were, were really good. And I continued to retain my position in the national team. And, yeah, like I say, 21 at the World Cup. Um, I, was, I was kind of pinching myself at that point. But, um, yeah, a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. But, um, you know, you just need that break in sport. Um, I'm sure Grant would agree. And um, I was fortunate enough to get it and dedicated enough to, to take it. So, um, yeah, really lucky along the way. Ricky, 18 was really young to make your international debut. He didn't look 18 with that tash. <laughs> Good tash at 18. That was the sign of the time, guys. It was. Mate. You look magnificent. Don't get me wrong. But do, you, do you feel like, you, when you look back at it, that you were ready, or were you picked too soon in your career? Um, again, a good question, Grant. I think it's, um, yeah, I, I guess when you're young, it's kind of uh, never too soon. Um, and, I, and I think you just have that real depth of, of passion and, and want and desire to, well, I'm in, a, I'm in a national program. I guess, you know, if I flip that forward to 2022, and I guess everything that sits behind a, um, a, you know, a national team player now, you know, they're playing at professional clubs, they've got sports science, they've got medical support, they've got... And, and, and I guess back then, I mean, we, we, we'd just run through brick walls, you know, with our programs. We'd probably go and do three times the amount of the program because we actually wanted to be better without probably understanding the, the real biomechanics and science behind getting ourselves where we needed to, you know. It was all, 
hard on the sleeve, dedication, passion and, and desire. And um, So, yeah, look, I think you always look back and go, wow, I was young. Um, but I, I did come through an era again, and I, I, I need to emphasise it, that I had some great players around me that, you know, reminded me of what my roles and responsibilities were on, on a number of occasions. But we're also there to, to give you that confidence and praise when, um, you know, things were going well. Of course, the All Whites took New Zealand, the whole country, on a wonderful ride in qualifying for uh, Spain 1982. You were ever-present in all the qualifying games. What was the defining quality of that team? Because, gee, you racked up some miles, some tough opposition, some really, really difficult conditions. What was the defining quality that, that you feel ultimately saw the side through to reaching the World Cup for the first time for New Zealand? Um. Yeah, again, like some great questions, guys, because I think it's you know it's really pertinent to, to to back in that era. But you know, sort of you know, we talk culture as 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 a, as a, a word or a term um, quite openly nowadays. But you know, when you look at a group of guys, and you know, predominantly there, I would say ninety five percent, if not more, probably Winton Rufa, who came into that squad, um, sort of post some of the the qualifying games, um, were all sort of flying their trade out of New Zealand. And, um, you know, full-time jobs, um, you know, and just putting in the absolute hard yards. And I think, you know, when you came to a national camp and you came, like, in the most 100% condition that you could possibly get yourself into because you knew that no matter where you looked around that squad, that everybody was bringing their A-game and was bringing you know, the ultimate sort of preparation and performance that was needed to, A, be selected and have the privilege of playing for your country and a team like that, but, you know, just bringing that real aura of, hey, I've done my job and I'm here yeah. and I'm ready and if I, if I get selected, I know that I can commit myself to this team. So just the depth of it, guys, was just sensational. And I think, you know, it's, it's difficult when people want to compare, and I don't compare eras because I think it's completely different. You know, if those players back then had what's feasible and what's possible now, then who knows what, what potential they would have reached. But, you know, we should just so hugely celebrate. Yeah, just celebrate what that team did. It was remarkable. It was a stake in the ground. It was a real pioneer side that kind of opened New Zealand public and, and everybody to football on a global stage and on a world stage. And, yeah. I, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I salute those guys. I mean, they're just absolute legends in my mind, all of them. Yeah, absolutely, Ricky. And I completely take your point. I think it's hard enough to actually compare the 2022 side to the 2010 side. <laughs> and there's a lot more similarities uh, to back then. Grant wants to talk about well, the, la- the last couple of games. Yeah, well, Ricky, I mean, it was 40 years ago. Um, how fresh in your memory are these games? Who's going to hang oh, up Graham, now? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think it's... Um, th- thanks for reminding me. It was 40 <laughs> years ago. Um, that, um, but, but I'll tell you what. You know, I'll never forget it. And, um, you know, I think it's just, you know, and, and I think you guys alluded to it at the start, you know, a four-year-old kid growing up in South Auckland all of a sudden when he's 21 playing in a World Cup. I mean, it was real pinch-the-skin, you know, um, real mind-tingling sort of opportunity. And I think, you know, whilst I'm 61 now, when I'm 65, 75, whatever, I'm lucky enough to live to, it'll be the memories that'll stay with Brilliant. me. Brilliant. Uh, Till, till my last days, and um, not 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 only from a game perspective, but just the absolute dedication that a fantastic group of staff and players 
brought to represent their country in what was incredibly trying, you know, you know, trying times. I mean, traveling and economy class, and mm. you, you kind of like you knew nothing more than getting on that plane and getting there and providing the best possible performance through thick or thin. And, um, you know, that's a real statement for me. Well, you certainly did it against China. You got a, a 43rd minute goal there. And there oh, was Herbert a, rising at the far post at Colossus. And there was another goal yeah. against um, Saudi Arabia to get the equaliser in the 87th minute. Uh, how fresh in the memory are those goals? Yeah, look, they'll, they'll certainly never disappear because. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and I say that with all due respect, guys, because I think, you know, um, again, I did my job. You know what I mean? It was like there was. Um, Superb delivery off the corners. One was a long throw, I think, from um, uh, from Duncan Cole, who's who's unfortunately not with us um, yeah. um, currently, um, and very sad. Um, but you know the timing, you know the quality of the delivery, the movement of the players, just created the space. And I've always said to people, jeepers, I just need to do my job. I need to jump here and make sure I make the right contact on the ball because the delivery was absolutely spot on and. I guess I would have been reflecting back 40 years on now if I'd have missed those two opportunities and been incredibly disappointed. So, um, yeah, look, wonderful. I think as a young player to score for your country in, in whatever game is is just you know a hugely proud moment. And um, you know certainly two 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 goals that that gave us a chance through that World Cup campaign. And of course they went to the 82 World Cup. Uh, one of the more enjoyable World Cups overall. Gee, it was entertaining football. We could spend four hours talking about that. Alone, but this is really about getting New Zealand to a World Cup. So I want to fast forward. You're in charge of the All Whites for the campaign through to 2010. As a player, you've gone through sort of a marathon, haven't you? So in comparison, this time around, it's it's a bit of a sprint, more of a, a one-off in a lot of ways. Um, and Bahrain, the, the second league, everyone who was at Westpac Stadium, as it was known back then, remembers that night. It was just quite extraordinary. Um, gives people goosebumps, but... Those two legs, when did the belief for you really, really sink in that, hey, we can, we've not only got this chance, but we can actually do it? Were you quite confident well in advance of the first league in Bahrain? Yeah, look, I can I can really put my hand on my heart, guys, and say when the final whistle blew in Manama um, for the away fixture, and we'd, you know, we'd, we'd hung on at times, you know, we'd been under pressure at times in that away fixture. Um, you know, they had opportunities to score but didn't. Um, when that final whistle blew, I truly believed in my heart that we would be incredibly difficult to beat in New Zealand. Um, and I, I, I can remember the, the morning of the game, uh, walking out from the, um, the hotel in, in Oriental Parade and sitting on my own um, on one of the um, decks, just, just dangling my legs over the water, looking down mm. right across to, to Westpac Stadium, thinking, you know what, today's going to be our day. And I just truly believed in my heart that something special was around the corner for us. Um, and again, the performance reflected that. You know, it was, you know, it probably had moments when obviously the penalty uh, for them, but, you know, I've, I've, I've watched that. Thousands of times, I've watched it a number of times. And, you know, to be fair, we, we scored a great goal. Um, and to be fair, I don't think that was the only one that we could have scored. And I think there were other, you know, a number of other opportunities for us, even in the dying minutes when we're breaking forward with, 
you know, players still looking to go forward and, and score goals and uh, nail-biting, tingling, you know, incredible support from around the country and in that stadium that night. But to be fair, I, I, I truly believe that we had the right team to do the right and get the right result. I'm never going to be able to, to articulate this well enough for the listeners, uh, but I was in the privileged position uh, doing the sideline commentary when I got to speak to the players and yourself, Ricky. You probably don't remember it such a haze. Straight after, but what what struck me was just how the overwhelming emotion just coming out of every single play, every single person in that stadium. What, was it almost? What, was it overwhelming in some way, Ricky? When you when you got New Zealand back to a World Cup? Oh, look, I think probably overwhelming is is minimal on on on, <laughs> on probably how I felt then, you know. And, yeah. and I know I I, I can. Well, whilst I didn't see it, I could imagine you jumping up and down, mate, too. Just incredibly I was. excited. It was hard not and, to get and, caught up in it. It was hard not to. Yeah, I, I used to see you jumping up in the Phoenix games as well, which was quite good to see. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, at um, my size. <laughs> yeah, but and 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 yeah, exactly. And and again, I've re- I've reflected this in, in in many moments, in many conversations, in many discussions, you know, over the past sort of number of years around that um, that game and that moment. And, and again, reflected back on and, and watching it. I mean, that last three minutes, and I've, al- I've always said this to people, it's really hard when you're on the sideline and there's nothing but immense focus on what's happening in that pitch, and, and that's, that's to be expected. And it's always crossed my mind, how were those people feeling in the stand? You know what I mean? What, what, what was going through their mind? What was that emotion like? three minutes to go, you know, and I can only look across my bench and see the nervousness and the tension and players stepping up and, you know, that last 30 seconds, and I was very lucky to have captured a a fantastic photo from somebody which I've framed on my wall, and it's got basically all the staff and and players who are on the sideline at that point standing up, sort of reaching forward with the most amazing look on their face, (laughs) just waiting for that absolute anticipation. But one thing I do need to share with you is when that final whistle blew, and I think because of the connection I had through the Phoenix as well, I turned, Brian Turner came to me as the assistant, and we we embraced. But I actually turned to my right for the crowd who was behind, and the first person who was standing right next to me was my father, who's unfortunately not with us nowadays. That would have been so powerful. and honestly, Grant, that was the most emotional moment of my life. Um, I'm not sure what Dad was doing there, um, to, be, to be honest, but he was there, right alongside the dugout, and that that connection. And then, you know, to be able to walk the ground and to celebrate and to see what it meant to players, to staff, but to a full stadium and people around the country um, was just amazing to, to kind of... Not reflect at that point because I was so caught up in the moment, um, but to have time over the past few years to look back and go, that was a really cool time for so many people in New Zealand to celebrate yes. something something very special. As you should, Ricky. As you should. Yeah, and that, I mean that just shows the power of sport and how it can galvanise a a nation, but also bring families and friends closer Sheep together. Community, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I remember the the Springbok uh, rugby team in their last World Cup campaign. They put photos of their family on their within the numbers on their back and that was that was who they were playing for so so powerful but i mean 
you've won that Bahrain game, you've had that emotional time, now you go to the World Cup and you find yourself in Group F against the World Champs Italy, uh, Slovakia and Paraguay, and you finish that as an unbeaten coach of the World Cup. Well, they should have been Italy. Dodgy penalty, wasn't it, Ricky? Hopeless <laughs> penalty. And, and and again, I keep watching that, Dan, and for some <laughs> reason, the referee keeps giving a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> no, how many times? He's, gonna, he's not going to give it this time. He can't give it this yeah. time. He's giving it again. Yeah, yeah oh. ex- exactly. And I think, look, again, I mean, you can look across the board and go, hey, we, do, we never won a game either. Um, and I think in the context of, you know, did we want to go there and win games? Absolutely. Were we disappointed we didn't go through the next round? Absolutely. But we, did we actually put New Zealand on the map from a footballing perspective and, and kind of change the perception of, of football in New Zealand? 100%. And I mm. think, um, you know, one, 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 of the, one of the important things for me too is on the way, we actually played Serbia, who were 16th in the world at that stage, and beat them um, 1-0 um, on the way to the World Cup. And I think for me, that embedded in, 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 into my sort of mind and comfort that we could be a very, very difficult side for all the teams in our group to come up against if at the end of the day we perform to the best of our ability. And um, But we were never a side that, you know, to, to draw three games, absolutely wanted to win three games. Um, mm. But I think we did make a statement and we did move the game forward in, in, a, in, in a strong strong way. And I think we we sort of gained the respect globally around the world of, of a nation playing football that maybe people hadn't recognised to that level previously. Lastly from me, Rick, and we really do appreciate your time. Um, when you look at Danny Hayes' group and what lies ahead for them next week, is your overriding thought just one of excitement for them? Oh, look, I can't, you know, I, well, I can imagine um, what must be going through the minds of those coaching staff, management and players, um, because you're looking at a 90-minute fixture now. You're looking at a, a one-off. Um, you know, we can talk about, hey, it's a neutral ground, it's a one-off, it's whatever. Mate, at the end of the day, the the prize is back to another World Cup. And to think what emotion that would flow through the game in New Zealand, the public in New Zealand, the opportunities for all these up-and-coming aspirational kids across the country that love the game, um, it would just do, you know, yeah. incredible things again. And, um, you know, if we frame it right and we get through this one, and, and not not saying that it's going to be a given, but, you know, that potential of 2026 and the increase in teams and an automatic entry out of Oceania, then, you know, we could be saying, well, hey, we're going to a World Cup in 2022 and we've got a great chance of going back-to-back World Cups in 2026. So, you know, the flag, I think, can be really waved incredibly hard if we get this one over the line. Well, Ricky, I mean, this is just so Kiwi. You're sitting in your car <laughs> doing an interview with us uh, with a group of aspiring kids, some of the who will probably go on to play in a World Cup. And um, it's great to hear you giving back the game, which has given you so much. And someone texted in, Richard, who said that whole 81-82 World Cup campaign should be made into a movie. Could be a hit worldwide. Truly amazing. And um, I think he's right. Listening to how passionately you speak about your career and everything you've done, we're very fortunate to have you on the show. And and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Ricky. We do appreciate it. 
No, absolutely, guys. Um, it's a real pleasure, and, and please pass on uh, globally across the country my very, very, very best wishes to Danny and the team. Um, it would mean unbelievable um, success and, and pride to see another national team go back to the World Cup. Yeah, well said. I, I'm sure, though, you probably feel for them they won't have the power of the home fan. That's what one thing uh, they don't get, and we know how powerful it was that night at Wellington. You, you kind of feel for them they don't get to play in front of their people, don't you, Ricky, I'm sure? Well, look, here, here, here's the challenge for them. Let's go and beat Costa Rica, make a statement, and then let's go and flood Eden Park in September yes. and crack the, uh, crack the Socceroos with a nice winning result as well. Oh, that sounds oh, good. Like with a Sigmund elbow to the forehead, something like that. I like the sound of that. Uh, Ricky Herbert, thank you so much for all you've done and joining us today. We look forward to catching up down the line. Take it easy, my friend. Thanks, Ricky. Pleasure, guys. Thanks very much. Hey, take care. Ricky Herbert, man who played at and coached at a FIFA World Cup, Danny Hayes men, could uh, repeat, well, getting back to a World Cup uh, this coming week, Wednesday morning, isn't it? 6 a.m. We have full coverage right here on SCNZ. Uh, join us for that World Cup qualifier, the All Whites up against Costa Rica. Big thanks to Ricky for joining us as part of our Saturday Session Legends. Hope you enjoyed the chat. Our Saturday Session Legends brought to you by Somerset. Think new friends, new laughs and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. Somerset.co.nz Back after this. Plato and the team join you in 13 and a half minutes. It's 13 and a half minutes away from 1 o'clock. Plato is here. He is ready to go and he looks like he is joining Stacey Jones and Kevin Campion in the coaching box. He's, he's kitted out, Grant. He's ready to rock. Clayton, how are you? I'm good, lads. How'd the show go? They're good, mate. It's probably oh. You've been hanging off every word, no doubt. Yeah, listen to Justin Marshall, one-eyed Canterbury supporter. <laughs> Here's the Crusaders cap. Here's what I think of the Crusaders. Oh, he's biffed it. Oh, wow. 15 wow. penalties in a row. There should have been six of them in the sin bin. <laughs> aggressive. Bloody That's aggressive stuff early on from you, Clayton. Yeah, that's how we feel. Rampant. Rampant cheating. Well, we'll ask you the question because Daniel McCarty asked all the uh, Blues supporters. He's like, are they a, are they a little bit nervous? It's, it's a bluesy thing to do, isn't it? The, blues, blues, have got, the blues have gone to Christchurch and beaten them on their home turf. So, oh, mate, that's no, you, gonna... oh, you've got them in the final already. I was I was saying nervous for the semi. Yeah, oh, no, is there a semi tonight? That's right. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and I do like this one from Dave. Hey, men, not boys. Great show as always. The Blues were crap until they stole Bowden and by giving him the Sky Tower. <laughs> yeah, no, looking forward to tonight. And, yeah, that would be the fitting final for the, for the season. Blues yeah. crushing the Crusaders and Siri <laughs> Reese. I was just waiting for Brodie Retallick to run straight over him, back the bus up, and run over him again. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> All right, your fizz for the Sabre. What have you guys got lined fizz. up for us? Uh, we've lost uh, Trentham today. That was abandoned yesterday yeah. due to the weather. But to Rua Kaka, we've gone back one race because uh, they went round and had a look at the track. I think Andrew Calder came off in the previous. But it, horses in the birdcage, they're looking promising that we're going on. Today on the show, we have one of our regulars, Steve McKee. He's been on fire lately, and we've got a special. We both agree on one, about $8 today. And Liz Whelan, who's up for the SENZ, Duke of Edinburgh, silver collar tomorrow, worth $80,000 at Monaco. And we'll be doing a live broadcast from out there as well. Oh, brilliant stuff. Have a great afternoon, Clayton. Thanks, Thanks for Daniel. dropping by as always. Enjoy. Thanks, Grant. Uh, the Good Oil, coming up after one, we will take a short break. It is uh, 12 minutes away from... We are at the finish line. It's seven minutes away from one o'clock. Only one act to do before we hand the keys over to the Good Oil and Clayton and friends. It is time for our sporting tips, for which you probably should run a mile from. Although... Ben Francis has been running towards yours, Grant Elliott, over the last couple of weeks, but not to get on board. 
Uh, ben Francis had great success taking all of Grant Elliott's tips and then doing the reverse. And I think you are still 100% with this, um, with this theory, Ben? You hit the nail on the head there, buddy. 100%, Grant. So you've got 100% mm. of your tips wrong over yep. the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what actually I did Don't was... mess about. We've got two minutes. I don't, I don't want you to talk this away. Go on. Okay. Is yep. I did punt the opposite of me as well, so I right. kind of... Right. I did a, uh, anyway, anyway. That's anyway. why we always warn you, you should probably run a miles from me. Let's go get your pen ready here, Ben, because it's a six-leg multi. Oh, no. We've got this. He's uh, gone down the six-leg We're multi. going league. We're going the Rabbitohs to win, the Storm to win, the Sea Eagles to win, the Penrith Panthers to win, the Sharks to win, and the Eels to win. No Warriors in that list, I did notice. <laughs> Mate, the Warriors are playing the Sharks. Mate, you're off the bandwagon, aren't you? Four dollars sixty for the Warriors. He's he's jumped off that Warriors bandwagon real quick, Ben. No, not like massively. It's just that the you're in disarray four, at the you're moment. You're on it for about four weeks. I know they're in disarray. And I moment. and I bet you when they win the grand final, he's going to be front and center oh, yeah. at the airport, going absolutely. Oh, look Pilot. at me, big Warriors fan, <laughs> Grant Elliott. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Have you got a punt for us this week, Ben, or are you just going to do the opposites again? I'm going for the hat trick. I'm going the complete opposite yeah. of Grant Elliott. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that would be unreal. If you if you get that as a 60, I'm going to work it out for oh, you as well. Magnificent. Um, I'm going to finish because I'm, I'm in a perpetual grey mood. Grant, you know that. Um, yeah, and man. history always repeats when my sides are involved, being the fatalist Mr. Negativity. Uh, I'm going New Zealand to lose... At least three wickets in the first session tonight. Uh, so three plus wickets, first session, day two of the cricket test, two dollars fifty. Two dollars fifty. Nice. There we go. I like that. I'm just trying to work out the uh, the odds. It's here. a lot, Grant. We've got thirty five seconds. I've got it. I've uh, got I'd like the to odds. finish off if you very do... selfishly by saying a very happy birthday to the best mother and wife going around. Happy birthday, happy birthday, Therese. Therese. Here's Grant Elliott singing you happy birthday by Stevie Wonder. Happy birthday, happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday, happy hey! birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. T H E R E S E. Thanks, man. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Ta da. Bye bye. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.